Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Oh, that sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Jerry. I'm Sierra. We're ladies. And we tangent. How are you feeling? I'm nervous. <laughs> Before we started, Shane. Uh, oh, yeah. Hey, this isn't Sierra. <laughs> this is Shane. Hey, guys. <laughs> um, I think she'll appreciate your impression <laughs> of her. Um, if you guys don't know, my husband, Shane, exists in the world and he's going to be co-hosting this week yeah normally i'm in the uh background doing the the post stuff so this is people don't know what that means dude i i make it sound good Um, production yeah so we i me and Corey were on one of them a while ago but that was before all of the craziness in the world happened and stuff the people have been begging for you to come back (sighs) well i'm here to oblige I'm trying really hard not to make this a super cringy couple-y episode <laughs> because I like, fear that that's just who we are as people. Well, yeah. I, I mean, and we rock it, so... I've been told we're goals. That's but, nice. Because <laughs> we both came from relationships where people were like, so what not to do? Got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, this is... I don't know where I was going, <laughs> so I'm just going to let that go. Oh, you're so cute. When you're I know, nervous. I'm so nervous. Um, so here's the deal. Sierra and I had decided that we wanted to talk about um, pregnancy loss. Right, uh, a week ago-ish, I think Chrissy Teigen announced that she... It's so weird looking across the couch at you, not Sierra. <laughs> um, and I can see your mouth. I haven't been able to see Sierra's mouth in months. What? Well, because of the mask. Oh. <laughs> I was like, I don't... Where'd her mouth go? Yeah, I was like, <laughs> did she lose it? Like, no. Was the, the mic isn't that big. No. Um. So we were... Chrissy Teigen uh, just announced that she had a miscarriage last week, and people have been uh, absolutely horrific to her online. Did you see any of this? I know I, you're not on social media. Much. No, but I'm on Reddit, which I don't. I don't know if you'd consider that social media. It's definitely media. But it's a platform. Anyway, in any way, in any case, um, yeah, I, I saw some of the stuff that, like, um, people have been saying uh, politically, mm-hmm. and it just it disgusts me a it's lot. It's Super disheartening because she's yeah. still a human, regardless of how you feel about her. Because I know. Um, celebrities are as polarizing sometimes mm-hmm. as, you know, political figures. Yeah. So especially celebrities who are as outspoken as Chrissy Teigen is. So, yes. but the fact that her sharing her experience with loss is being met with anything but compassion is just the most disgusting thing in the world. 
So um, that comes from Sierra and I both just that um, grief doesn't happen in one way. And if her and John's way of I'm talking about Chrissy and John, like I'm best friends with them and I know them, (laughs) but if their way of grieving is publicly sharing their journey, especially because they share so many things publicly anyway. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's kind of like a second nature to them that like that they know that people that aren't directly in contact with them still care about them or at least are are still interested in what their story is and stuff. So like, I feel like at some point or at some instance, it's kind of like, uh, a job to to do it publicly but also yeah but also i think you can get a sense of um just uh, collectiveness like like you're you're you'd all be going through it kind of thing right like i i i can see both sides of it yeah and i i mean i think with being in the spotlight as much as they are because they're both really um popular uh public figures yeah i i think um having that we're not in this alone feeling yeah. is is definitely i i would say it would be a part of the grieving process for them i think too because she had so well they announced her pregnancy in his music video oh oh geez yeah so they announced her pregnancy in his music video and then she was on uh instagram i think doing a video and accidentally slipped up and said that it was a boy mm. and So she's very publicly shared so much of her pregnancy so far. And they've been very candid about the fact that they struggled to get pregnant for like 10 years. And so they got pregnant with both their daughter and their son through IVF. This baby was conceived naturally, which they didn't think was a possibility. So it was like, this is a miracle. We want to share this with everyone. Um, And because this loss happened, I don't know how far along she was, but I know she was in the second trimester. Wow. Um, So after having announced it so publicly, you and I, um, the reason we're talking about this is because Shane and I have experienced two miscarriages. Yep. And um, one of them was in the second trimester, and we had already announced. Um, We thought we were in the clear. We waited (laughs) until we heard the heartbeat, and the doctor felt really confident, and um, we posted on social media, shared it with everyone. And then there's this, like you said, this weird level of like obligation to telling people like everyone is, um, entitled to your story. And it was really weird, (laughs) really weird to publicly announce. And then what do we do? Just like, never have a baby and people wonder what happened like you there's ghost it (laughs) yeah there's like you have have to say something yeah yeah um but i think the reason i'm so grateful that they're sharing their story so publicly is because uh and we're going to answer some questions we just got people um just within the last hour to send us questions or things that they topics they want us to discuss and i just want to say if you were one of those people who sent something in thank you um, I was already crying about it upstairs because <laughs> I last minute didn't think anyone was going to say anything. And I love you so much, but I was not super confident that you and I were going to have the back and forth <laughs> this year. And I have. 
Oh man, she's, she's got I, like at I, least I, yeah. eighteen more years on you. <laughs> I I I can't deny that. <laughs> but um, the questions that and the statements that people were sending in, it's just it's such a heavy topic, and knowing that there's a community of people that I didn't even know experienced this, um, wanting us to share things, it just it feel. I told Shane it feels big. It feels like really important and I'm so grateful that um Chrissy and John my my close dear friends Chrissy and John are um using their platform to bring light to something that has made so many people feel isolated alienated yeah and alone I mean I I think the the something like that happening to anyone you the first thing you want to do is just like curl up in a ball and and hide yeah hide away and not talk to anybody and i mean it it's really difficult to talk to people whenever this does happen but like with them having that platform i think it like i said it it allows a, a kind of a collectiveness and i think like it brings light to something that a lot of people do go through but don't talk about it right and i know like I know, and personally, we have discussed that, that, like, whenever we stated that it was, it happened with our first and second, and it, um, you, you kind of see a lot of people come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, yeah, that happened to me, that happened to me, that happened to me, that happened to my aunt, happened, right. like, it, you, it, it's, it's unreal because nobody ever talks about it. It's, I mean, it's hard to talk about, I don't blame them, but, right. like, you just kind of, when you first get pregnant for the first time and you go in, you're like, let's do this. We can, let's go all the way. And then something happens yeah. and yeah, it's, it's weird. I, this is a statistic that one in four people will experience loss, but I wonder, um, how many, I forget where I read this because after our first loss, I went just nuts with statistics because yeah the thing is when you learn about Sierra and I often bitch about the lack of um, sex ed in schools and one of those things is a full understanding of how pregnancy works because basically we think we get pregnant you get fat and then you have a baby yeah that that bad part doesn't really come out right they don't say oh okay pregnancy happens but like one in four pregnancies won't make it. Yeah. Um. And I really, I forget where I was reading it, but I think that statistic is actually higher. Um. I didn't find, I didn't prep for this guy. Sierra does all those statistic stuff, but one in four is the basic of it. But I think what I had found is that like, there is a huge number of pregnancies, like so many things when you think about it, have to go right in order for a pregnancy to make it full term. I mean, that's why they call it a miracle. Well, I, as a teacher, I saw students getting pregnant all the time and it was yeah. like their first try and it was an accident and, or they used a condom or they were on birth control. Like all of, they used all the precautions and they still got pregnant. And I'm like, obviously it's not that hard. <laughs> Apparently you just willy nilly point that thing wherever you feel like. And Put that thing back where it came from. <laughs> or so help me. <laughs> exactly. And so I I often thought it was weird when people called it a miracle. Because yeah. 
But now that we had experienced two losses and we realized what actually has to happen, 100% it's a miracle. I mean, whenever I heard the miracle thing, I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's new life. Like, yeah, oh, that's, yeah. yeah, like that. Yeah. But whenever you realize, yeah, how much has to go right for it to mm-hmm. happen and, and one thing going wrong can ruin right. it. It's yeah, it's it's it is a statistical miracle. Right. So um we're gonna answer some questions that people have sent in. Um and there is a lot. We're gonna try some of them kind of overlap, but for the most part these are all kind of different. Um so I'm just gonna go through them. I didn't order them in any way. So are you ready? Yeah, a little little Q and A. Yeah. I was ho- otherwise I was not sure how we were going to do this because I th- feel like through this we'll end up telling our stories but yeah. I didn't just want to tell our story. I wanted to know what other people maybe through their own experience struggled with mm. or were wanting to find community in and us focus on those things oh, instead yeah. of just ourselves. Yeah. I like so. that. That's that was good thinking. Thanks. Um, so the first one, uh, these ones are from Facebook and then I'll go to Instagram. Um, someone wants to know how we grieved differently. Do you think that is going to be a nightmare to listen to? (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you think that we grieve differently for both losses? I know we grieve differently and we'll share our experience with grief, but I feel like I grieved both miscarriages differently oh yeah i think so too yeah i think that like i did too so our first miscarriage which i think we should probably explain um we found out we were pregnant um the day before thanksgiving yes or two days before thanksgiving somewhere around there yeah that week yeah and we shared it with our family Mm -hmm. pretty immediately yeah i mean because we because believe it or not, we actually went places for holidays. Um, so yeah, I mean, we obviously what a wild time <laughs> when we saw people. We obviously saw all of our both sides Do of the family. Do you remember how we announced to my parents? Was it with that game? Yeah, it was a COVID nightmare. Actually, uh, <laughs> yeah, we, play, we played that um the mouth S- game. Speak out, I speak think. Speak up or yeah. speak out. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's yeah, where yeah, you yeah. put like the the thing in your mouth and you like that you, you get at the dentist's office to really make your lips go wide. Yeah, and then you try to say words. And so we were playing that with my parents, and mm. we uh, were skyping my sister in Arkansas, and we had played like a couple rounds of it, and then I had it, mm-hmm. and I was trying to get my parents to say my daughter's pregnant yeah and we recorded it yeah i don't even know where that is i have it of course but yeah yeah we recorded it and um it was such an exciting time yeah because it was like giving and it was like the the first announcement of like like because because i'm we are both the oldest in our family um like even extended wise for the most part yeah um and so like we were the first ones to get married we were going to be the first ones to have a kid most yeah. likely so well like, on my dad's side on and, my mom's side there were people who were older oh than yeah kids. but yeah and um, on but mostly all of my side yeah i was the oldest um and so 
we had shared it then. And then we went to our first appointment and they, it was really a really weird experience because I was supposed to be, um, like almost 10 weeks in mm-hmm. the, or no, I was, I was supposed to be about eight weeks and the baby was only measuring six weeks six, yeah. and the heartbeat was really faint and irregular. And so they asked us to come back the following week because they were like, okay, either this is like the beginning of growth and development and things will strengthen. And when you come back, everything will be great or you'll come back and uh bad it, news bears. Yeah. It won't be great. So, we went home and we, oh yeah, I'm, I'm remembering how we told your side of the family now. Um, we looked at each other and I had done my research and it was a 50% chance that we had a 50, 50 shot. Yeah. Things were either going to get better or they weren't. And I remember asking you if you wanted to tell your family because we were going to see them for Thanksgiving. And the plan was we took a picture with the ultrasound, the first ultrasound. Yeah. And we were going to give it to your grandma. Yeah. Um, Yep. I remember that. And the picture frame and all that stuff. Yeah. And we, I asked you, I was like, we either tell no one until after we have news or we put our faith in this and we share it. And you were like, I want to put our faith in it. And that was the first time you prayed out loud. (laughs) And you held my hands on the couch and you went, Jesus. (laughs) And then you prayed. And uh, we ended up giving that gift to your grandma. And then uh, we, by Christmas, we found out that we had lost. So, um, which was weird because I had no signs um, that I had miscarried. Yeah, that, that I think that was like getting into the grieving part of it. That that one was weird. Yeah. Because there was like no evidence. Mm-hmm. Like her her body just didn't recognize that it miscarried. So like the baby the, had stopped growing, but I still had morning sickness. Yeah. I was still gaining weight. I um I never bled. I never spotted. Like, so it was kind of like a disbelief thing. That, that yeah. Like, we thought like, we were in the clear. We kept going. Yeah. Um, but we went back a week later and found out uh, the baby hadn't grown and the heartbeat had stopped. Yeah. And because my body hadn't recognized it, they gave us some options that we could either um, take some medication. We, like you did it. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Um, we, I actually want to talk about that, but we. Uh, <laughs> that I didn't do anything. No, no, no. <laughs> No, that that's the thought, because I remember you talking about how you didn't, you almost felt guilty for grieving because you physically weren't going through it. Yeah. Um, but I could take pills to start the process of miscarrying. I could do surgery or I could just wait. I didn't want to wait because it had already been four weeks and my body hadn't recognized that it had stopped yeah. growing. I didn't want to do surgery because I knew that there was a risk of scarring. Yeah, and that could prevent future yeah. pregnancies. And then or make it difficult. Yeah. And then uh so we decided to do the medication at home. And that was Do you remember This is like bringing back so many memories um but uh, we'll get into that because I think there's some other questions that'll tie into that. Yeah. So I used the medication we miscarried at home. And then uh, the second time, we 
got pregnant. We lost in December. We're pregnant in April. And, or found we got we got pregnant in April. <laughs> found out. I suck with timeline but things. So I know you. because we got pregnant on Randy's twenty first birthday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in the morning. I remember. Um, but yeah, we found out in May, and we were due January third, mm-hmm. and we waited. Yeah, this time we did wait. We waited. We took pictures at the beach with your family mm-hmm. to announce um, that we were pregnant with our second. And yeah. uh, I mean, we told our like just our parents. I think. Yeah, we yeah. told our family. We announced to your family at the beach because yeah. I we wore short shirts. You had a shirt that said um, "Achievement Unlocked Fatherhood." Yeah. I'm a gamer. If you guys didn't know that, he's a gamer. Gamer. <laughs> And then mine said napping for two. Yeah. And then uh, we got home from the beach and at our 16-week appointment, uh, they couldn't find the heartbeat. And because of where the baby was positioned, um, I needed emergency surgery. Yeah. Like I couldn't... So there's a DNC, which is a dilation and curation where they just go in and they... It sounds so gross, but like... Uh, scoop out the contents of the uterus. I know it sounds so insensitive when you say it that way, but that's what they do. And then um, because I was too far along, uh, the baby was too big for that. I had to have a DNE, which is a dilation and evacuation. So basically they put me under and I gave birth, but I wasn't awake for it. Um, And they did genetic testing on the baby and we found out that he had Down syndrome. Yep. That so, he was a boy and yeah. had Down syndrome. Yeah. We didn't plan to find out the gender. No. Um, so the question originally was, how do we grieve differently? <laughs> and like the first time, I remember going to a restaurant with you. And we decided that we didn't lose a baby. Yeah. It was... Th- it was really weird. We feel differently about it now. Yeah, but it it was the the way that we described it was like we were making a vessel for a soul, and the body wasn't strong enough to deliver the soul earth side. Yeah, but the soul was still just chilling up in heaven, waiting yep. for the right body. Yeah, we were we we were at Fox and the Hound, weren't we? No, at the bar. We were at a bar, but we weren't at Fox and the Hound. We went to Fox and the Hound after we found out we lost because I wanted a Christmas ale. Ah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, there was It was the bar near uh, on Tusk that we went to. It's not important. But, yeah, we were sitting in the booth, and I said, you know what, I, I don't feel like we lost a baby. I think our baby is still coming. And um, we felt that way, and I remember testing positive pregnancy yeah it's it's weird saying testing positive now in this time but i remember in the bathroom i put my hand on my stomach and i said you're back because in my head whatever baby was in was going to come the first time is is now coming i mean that was that was the that was how we grieved it Mm -hmm. because it was just like that was denial that we lost a baby yeah yeah it 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 was the easiest way for us to get back to our 
normal selves yeah. like obviously like we were we were both still hurt but like we were able to um there was hope in that yeah and we were like we, i don't know how to say it but we were able to i mean just cope with it better yeah because we gave it that story and uh, i mean i know for me personally like that that with my logical brain was like oh okay if that's how it is then we're good like and and it it didn't allow me to dive deep into depression (laughs) right and uh, me being a control freak i needed to know why yeah i needed to understand what was happening, why it was happening, and control the out- the future outcome. Because if I can understand or I- if I can dictate the meaning of this or how this works out, then I don't have to be sad. Yeah. And that's what we did for the first time. Yeah. Um, so I feel like we grieve pretty similarly for that. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would think so. But again, what she, what we talked about before is that like I felt like, I didn't have much to grieve because it like physically you weren't yeah physically I just started the process I didn't do, <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't do anything you just, else you know deliver the baton yeah and like and, and finish the race I I always felt and with the second one too like I always felt guilty for being I as think hurt the second as I one, was you it was a lot more intense um, what is the most important thing to you when it comes to menstrual care? Um, I would say probably not having to worry about leaking, going about mm. my day and not worrying about having to run to the bathroom when you feel that, oh, what's, <laughs> what's going on? Uh, I think I'd agree. Yeah. And that's why we're excited to tell you about Flex. If you want a period product that looks out for your body, your lifestyle and the planet, you've got to try Flex. There's the Flex Disc, which is a one-time-use menstrual disc that fits perfectly inside your body. It's not a cup, and it's better than a tampon. It's unlike any period product you've ever seen before. One Flex Disc can be worn for up to 12 hours, and it holds as much flow as three super tampons. Plus, you can wear it for mess-free period sex. Yes, my white sheets (laughs) love that for me. (laughs) Flex Discs also create 60% less waste compared to pads and tampons, so, they are planet friendly. And if you want to go with zero waste and have the planet love you even more, you can pick up the Flex Cup, a reusable menstrual cup that Cosmo rated number one. The patented pull tab makes Flex the only cup on the market that removes like a tampon. It's so easy, you already know how to use it and you won't lose it. Yes, which is very important. It's also disability friendly and made with beginners in mind. So when I say like this is easier to use than tampons, I really truly believe that. Well, this beginner is grateful for that. (laughs) Yes. It's also velvety soft and completely body safe and it lasts for years. So say goodbye to cramps, put sex back on the table and lend Mother Nature a hand. Go to flexfits.com slash tangents and use code tangents for 20% off flex disc starter kits. Or 10% off your first Flex Cup. Plus, you get free U.S. shipping. That's code TANGENTS at flex, F-L-E-X, fits.com slash tangents. So, with the second loss, it obviously was greater because we, 
on the ultrasound for the first one, it looked literally like a frog in a hat. It didn't look <laughs> a like a baby. Frog in a top hat. Is yeah. that what you said? Yeah. yeah. It was it was very hard to see a baby. And so I don't know if you guys listened to one of our past episodes we had talked about um miscarriage and uh announcing pregnancy early and things like that and how in my head I used to be like what's the big deal? It was early on. Um but then experiencing it ourselves, it, it wasn't so much about it wasn't so much about losing the ball of cells as it was I had already imagined the future for this baby and yeah. now um and so us saying we didn't lose a baby, we just the body wasn't strong enough was our way of like preserving those memories. Yeah, yeah. Um but then with the second one, he he looked like a baby. Yeah, yeah, you can see it. You you were able to see it in the ultrasound like the different limbs and I started bleeding um at a wedding. I oh, was Oh, yeah, I remember that. I was shooting a wedding and I was bleeding literally as the bride was walking down the aisle and I went to the, I literally handed my camera to a guest and I was like, "I'm so sorry." I think I'm having a miscarriage. The settings are all set. Just take pictures. Just point and click. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, in that moment, I was just like in a state of shock. And so I went to the bathroom and people just kept coming in. Literally, the ceremony's going on and people were coming into the bathroom trying to help me. My pants are around my ankles. I am bleeding <laughs> everywhere. Um, I ended up driving myself to the hospital. Yep. And the doctor was like, you're 13 weeks. There's nothing we can do. So I don't, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I was like, okay. And even when you got there, I was just like cracking jokes. I was, that's how I deal yeah. with things. Um, Which can be. Uh, yeah. But the baby, <laughs> they had done an ultrasound of the baby, still had a heartbeat. And yeah. so they were like, if it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We can't do anything. And so. They're like, follow up with your doctor. So I ended up going to the doctor on Monday. And um, you couldn't be with me. So my sister went with me. And they started that ultrasound. And he was fist pumping and kicking. And mm -hmm. he was just going crazy in there. I was laughing so hard. Yeah. And the tech was like, I know this is like really cute but you need to calm down because <laughs> I'm trying to get his levels and he's moving a lot and you're moving a lot so he was totally healthy heartbeat was fine my bleeding had stopped they weren't concerned at all yep. um so at my 16 week appointment I was shocked yeah we I, I didn't I go to that one with you yeah and yeah. my sister Sam was home from Arkansas and so she was there yep and uh yeah we were kind of blown away um that was like because I don't know if you guys know this but when um when you enter the second trimester your chances go from I want to say it's like 70 percent to five percent yeah of loss so like you have a really big chance of losing in the beginning and then as soon as you pass that threshold of the first trimester it goes down to five percent as soon as you hear the heartbeat baby you're golden yeah is 
what they say. <laughs> um, so for us to go there and then not have a heartbeat anymore, it was something I, again, my body, I wasn't bleeding anymore. I was still sick. I was still feeling pregnant. Yeah. So. I mean, that whenever we, during the ultrasound, um, whenever they said pretty much it, it, uh, there's no heartbeat anymore. You turned like stone faced. Yeah. I started bawling. Mm -hmm. And then, um, I literally called my mom and asked her if she wanted to get margaritas. Yeah. And she was like, that's not funny. And I'm like, none of this is funny. I'm trying to deal. (laughs) And I, I remember, because I was still working at Huntington at that mm-hmm. time, and I was actually supposed to go into work yeah. um, after that, and I called them and just hysterically crying. I was like, I can't come in today. Right. Um, Something that is, like, common with our relationship is that one of us is stone-faced and the other one is grieving. Yeah. So we take turns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that time... Whenever we found out that he had Down syndrome, I was devastated. I taught high school special ed. So, like, if any, and Shane has family members who um, have disabilities. And if there were any people in this world <laughs> who would have freaking nailed it, crushed that parenting yeah. game, like, it would have been us. Yeah. And, it was devastating to think that we were never going to get the chance. Um, and I learned that 70% of pregnancies that have a trisomy um, somewhere in their genetics don't make it full term. And so that was comforting. But at the same time, like I, at that point, we could no longer say the body wasn't strong enough. Yeah. And so I don't know if you feel this way, but I felt like in grieving um, our second loss, I almost I almost had to grieve the first one then too. Yes, yeah, because then it it the second one was more real and um not that the first one wasn't, but like the our logic of the body wasn't strong enough for the soul no longer yeah fit yeah it kind of just was like no nah, that was we realized that that was just kind of like a coping mechanism. And once we had to deal with something that was more severe, we realized that maybe uh, how we dealt with the first one wasn't the right way to deal. So then it was almost like we had to grieve all over again. Um, I remember, sorry, this is such a long answer for the first question. Let's go. But (laughs) um, (laughs) I remember, I, didn't know that you can have postpartum depression even if you don't have the baby. So I know now that I went through postpartum depression after our second loss. One of the questions is, uh, did we name the baby? And if so, why? Or if not, why? We did not name the first baby um, initially because, again, we just thought it wasn't (laughs) nameable. Yeah. we since have been told by our psychic medium that 
my grandma named the baby Sarah. <laughs> Have you talked about Reggie and in, in yeah. podcast? Yeah, okay. yeah. Thanks so, for yeah, listening. You guys know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, the second baby we did name. Uh, we named him Jonah, and it didn't feel right not to give him a name, um, especially because once we found out he had Down syndrome, um, we couldn't refer to him as it. Yeah. So we we initially didn't want to find out the gender because we wanted to still keep with the logic of yeah. it, it was just the body. But once we found out he had Down syndrome, I was like, I refuse not to honor his life. Yeah. Um, and refer to him as it, um, or refer to the baby as it. And so we decided to find out the gender and then named him Jonah. Yeah. Um, we had always, we had picked out Oliver and Jonah. That was our boys' names. Mm-hmm. We wanted two boys, Ollie and Jonah. That's mm-hmm. what we wanted. And so we technically got that, but yeah. one of them's earth side and one of them lives in heaven. So, um, but I felt like when I was grieving him, I I wanted to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's such a heavy thing for me to say, but I truly wanted to die. Um, and you knew. Yeah. Um, so I, at, at that time, I had to be the stone-faced one yeah. and uh, kind of keep things as easy for her as possible yeah um and and do everything i could to make sure that she was okay i came okay so here's a tangent when i was growing up i had these glow-in-the-dark stars all over my bedroom (laughs) ceiling and i don't know why but they made me feel safe and so shane knew about these stars and so one day when i was going through this depression um I came home from work and all of there was lights on and every lamp in the house was in our bedroom <laughs> on pointed at the ceiling. And I was like, what in the actual hell is happening in this room? And here he had put the glow in the dark stars all over the ceiling and he needed to charge them. So yeah. he brought all the lights in to charge up the stars. And I remember that night uh, you held me and you said, um, please don't leave me. And I said, I would never leave you. And you said, you know what I mean? And I just (laughs) (laughs) lost it. And I realized then like that what I was going through was really serious. And, um, you encouraged me to do photography. That's actually how I got into photography is he, he knew I needed something and he was gone with school and work a lot. And so, you encouraged me to do that and I ended up going to um Oregon and if you guys ever want to hear that story I'll tell it but uh honestly I I was healed I guess I don't know how to explain <laughs> it but like something happened to me in Oregon that just uh refueled and refreshed me I think it's a god thing 100% um and yeah, when I came home, then it was Shane's turn to grieve. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and uh, while she was gone, I was pretty much grieving in my own way and, and right. kind of uh, 
honestly, I, the way I did it well, probably wasn't the best way, but I just stood in front of a TV and played video games and enjoyed adult things. Yeah. Um, but I guess like not having to worry about her because I knew that she was okay kind of um, let me open up a little bit and um, I needed to uh, just kind of do it in my own way and um, it, it, when, however when I grieve and it's w- what happened when I was always growing up is I always had to be somebody that held other people up and then I had to grieve in private private and I mean, so that, that's what I was able to do. And um, we were both kind of a little more refreshed and recharged whenever she got back because I saw her and how happy she was. And it just that recharged me that like yeah. she was going to be OK. And I think you needed to hear me say that it was OK for you to grieve because like you said, you felt guilty because you physically weren't going through it. Um, and that's why we wanted you to be on here to talk about it because people don't normally focus on the guy in this situation because it's like what did you have to do (laughs) but it's still a loss for you it was still your child your children Um, all right what second question now yeah but we kind of answered multiple in that we answered two questions in that because we answered the naming one as well okay um (laughs) we we really wanted to name him because we wanted to honor him and we we um we want to tell our children about their sibling and we want to give them a name and like one of my things is i couldn't give him a life outside of my body in the world but i want him to live on in a way so um that was one of our ways of doing it and then i wrote a book which i still read to ollie and cry every time <laughs> um so I I wrote a book. It's called My Brother Lives in the Sky. And it's essentially talking about how they have a sibling. They just don't live here. Mm-hmm. And it was our way of introducing like God and heaven and um, giving life um, to Jonah through mm-hmm. that. And I dedicated it to Sarah too. I always feel guilty <laughs> because we we didn't name her and we don't acknowledge her as often we don't even know for sure that she's a girl but reggie said so and i believe everything reggie says (laughs) yeah reggie is uh he's pretty good at what he does there (laughs) um so this question says i'm not sure if you had to deal with this but being happy for people who got pregnant after your loss that was the hardest thing i think i've ever had to overcome emotionally did you struggle with that i this was another thing i overthought to death well pretty much whenever um that happened that that's when i who i was working with were not in that state of so their you lives weren't around people yeah I, were, I wasn't around people that that got pregnant. i was <laughs> um and i think people will see it on social media as well even if you're not like in physical contact um it was something again kind of like what I did with the whole is a vessel. It wasn't a baby. Mm, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um, I did that with this situation. We wrote a song about it. Um, I remember talking to my dad on the phone. Um, and I said that I'm trying to think of this situation 
like going on vacation. I'm trying to think of it like we had planned and we had packed and we had gotten ready to go on a trip. And at the last minute, our flight got canceled indefinitely. And we never, we didn't know if or when we were ever going to go on this trip. Yeah. And we're standing in the airport and other people's planes are taking off and other people's planes are landing. And just because that's happening doesn't mean, like, that doesn't affect, they're not the reason that our trip got canceled. Yeah, yeah. And so it, in my head, when I took the emotion out of it and I applied that logic to something else, it was like, okay, I can't be mad at your plane for taking off. I can't be mad at your plane for landing. I can't be angry that you got to go on your trip or that you're coming home from your trip. Yeah. I'll I'll get mine. I don't know when and I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. But that was, that's how I had to deal with it because otherwise I think it would have been really hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a really good like analogy or like something to compare it to as well. Like, it, yeah, it, it still sucks. Like it doesn't take away from it sucking, but like. No. And that's the hard part is because the emotion and the hormones and like the feelings that you have in it. I've told you before, you can't control. Yeah. And so even if you logic the shit out of the situation, it doesn't change your feelings usually. Yeah. But it, I, I think in that sense though as well, like you, it, it kind of um, puts your brain on a path to like starting to be able to cope, deal with it yeah. and cope with it. And um, I think like if you just go down that, like a, a, hurt and jealousy path like it it's it's not good like it i don't it'll never turn out okay it doesn't get easier no um i totally understand why it happens and like there were times where i would in the one of the questions was how did you deal with seeing students and we i kind of touched on that in Mm. the beginning of the whole miracle thing but that was frustrating because it was almost like why them and not me yeah but that you could apply that to anything like why um why does someone have this opportunity and i don't have i don't yeah kind why of thing. why does jeff bezos make 60 or 70 million dollars in a pandemic and we get billion i'm pretty oh, sure billion whatever and we get yeah. 1200 dollars <laughs> yeah <laughs> so why is he not paying anything in taxes yeah so but, yeah it's uh, it's i the only way I can function is if I take emotion out of things. Because if if I let emotions rule me, then it's bad news bears. You know that from our arguments. <laughs> but my my moon is in Virgo, okay? <laughs> and so they're very logical, calculated beings. And that's why I have to deal with my emotions that well, way. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I truly think that that's like a good way to deal with emotions period like in in any sense that like yes you're going to have emotions but also like think logically and i it doesn't like stop your emotions from happening but it, it puts it on a path to betterment yeah so um this says the fears you face conceiving after a loss this is something that i'm fearing for myself i'm so worried about feeling this loss multiple times um what you opened your mouth what do you want to say uh i'm still scared to this day (laughs) we're done having children (laughs) 
Yes, ma'am. You have an appointment to make. <laughs> <laughs> um, we all, when people would talk to us about when, so when are you going to try again? And our response was when we're ready to lose again. Because being in a place to try to conceive is one thing. You also now, I mean, we didn't know in the beginning. In the beginning, it's like, oh, how fun is this? Trying to have a baby. (laughs) It's a great time. It's a great time. (laughs) But after losing, especially twice in a row, it was like no longer imagining a family. It's remembering the pain, the feeling I had when the anesthesia wore off after my DNA. Yeah. It's the feeling we had when the tech looked at us and said, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Those are the things. Am I mentally and emotionally prepared to do that again? And if I'm not, then no, (laughs) we're not trying to concede. No, it, I'm, that's, it's, it was just so hard to deal with because it, took away the fun (laughs) yeah i wanted to say that but like i felt like that was weird but it took away like the the happiness of of thinking about a future family and um and it made it just a lot more difficult to want to try and conceive again i think it made it harder too to enjoy the pregnancies yeah i had mentioned in the pregnancy episode that i intentionally tried not to become attached to our pregnancies just because if they didn't stick, then I wouldn't, I would hope I wouldn't feel as bad about losing because, but like, that's also shitty because (laughs) that takes, there's such joy in, in that experience. And so it takes it away and it's sad that it takes it away. But Yeah. yeah, I think it was not so much a fear, but more of a, we had to have a plan of attack and a, a level of preparation that yeah, we, we yeah. didn't think about before. Yeah. That, that nobody really prepares you for, period. Right. Oh. Um, what are words that you found comfort in hearing after loss? I never know what to say and feel like the typical, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of you just isn't enough. Uh, yeah, I hated hearing those words. I'm sorry, and I'm thinking of you and, and all that kind of See, stuff. See, those ones, though, I feel like are way better than the, well, at least you know you can conceive. Oh, wow. You people can try said that, again. People said that to you? You have no idea. Someone looked at me and they said, so after the second time, after Jonah, they said, um, so they figure out what's wrong with you? That's <laughs> And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, don't, uh-huh. don't, uh, I could tell you not to say shit like that. Um, yeah. Pu- but... People said things like, did they figure out what's wrong with you? Um, at least you can try again. At least it was early on. Um, I, I heard that and I hated that too. Yeah. Like this is more of a what not to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but. Well, the I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm thinking of you, I think are your best bet. Yeah. Or what do you need? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like uh, maybe not even what do you need? It's like, hey, I want to send you some food. Like, yeah, we did have people who sent yeah. us food that was really nice. I had a friend um, who dropped off like a care basket. There was yeah. a blanket and some comfy socks and my a gift card to 
uh, restaurant and some candy in there. And like, that was so thoughtful because I didn't want to go anywhere and I just wanted to lay on the couch all day. And, um, I, neither of us felt like cooking. So that was something that was super thoughtful. Um, but truly I know I'm sorry and I'm thinking of you doesn't feel like enough, but it certainly is is <laughs> better. Pro- yeah, is it's probably like if if you're not as close to like do a gift basket or to yeah to come over t- to give them a meal or whatever, um, then that is I think that is the best way to go because there's I think there's just like I mean from hearing what you just said that people <laughs> said to you is like that it, that's insane yeah that that people would say something like that to well, because people somebody that's don't so realize vulnerable. how big losses and so it's very like medical like oh well, there must be something wrong with you and it's like i <laughs> which that that wow. just that just starts I another already complex felt broken yeah <laughs> so um i did read something where uh, people were saying like things that they had heard that helped them. And one of them was like, you're so strong. Um, another one, what, because the last thing I felt was strong. Yeah. Um, another one was, uh, something like they, I'm going to cry, but, um, the only home they ever knew was you and it was full of love, and what a beautiful thing that is! Wow, um, that's nice. That's that's a lot to say to someone, but yeah. like, uh, but if you're running out of options, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good that's a good option. <laughs> yeah, I think like like with people saying it to a guy, it's it's totally different because oh yeah yeah for like sure. again because we aren't the ones that physically go through it. Yeah. Like yes, we deal with the loss, but we aren't the ones that like housed a baby i felt super selfish because someone said something kind to me and they said you know like the the first the first face they saw was jesus and the first hug they got was from jesus and like that was such a beautiful thing to think of but selfishly i was like i want to be be the first hug (laughs) yeah um selfishly i wanted them here but like now that i'm seeing the state of the world i'm like dang boy you so lucky up there <laughs> you dodged a bullet it's nasty as hell down here <laughs> um as we bring two others into the world i know i remember i told you the night trump got elected i looked at you through tears and i said i don't want to have any children while he's in office and whoopsie daisy we almost had four <laughs> <laughs> um this says the what ifs that really never go away. I still question our miscarriage. We have a lot of. I feel like we dealt with what ifs for a really long time. Well, yeah. Um. I, I mean, it's it's hard not to like. Yeah. If you experience something, and then you are going to do the same thing to like start that process over again. Yeah. You, there's you'd be insane if you didn't think about the problems or something or the right. what ifs that could happen but I, then you also have to say like because you could say what if it goes wrong but then you have to i think with what ifs you have to do both sides like what well, if it could go wrong what if it what if it goes right i'm wondering if this is more like what if the baby had made it what would my life look like oh so because i think that all the time about jonah 
And I think that's just because he was so far along and I had already created this like bond with him. Um, I think like, what if he had made it? But I have to remind myself when, when I go down the what if path that the what is path would be very different. Oh, yeah. So I look at where we are. I look at our life. I look at our kids and like, I don't know that we'd be here. Because especially knowing that Jonah had Down syndrome, the complications of uh, children with Down syndrome having severe dietary issues, heart issues. I, um, Someone that I used to work with, her first son had Down syndrome, and he only lived six days. I have no idea how we would have grieved a baby after six days. Oh, yeah. So... I try to stay away from what if lane because it's not healthy because you don't imagine the negatives. You imagine this beautiful, incredible life. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm the what if lane I go down and I have to really derail myself from is the what if we wouldn't have gotten pregnant with Ollie and we actually would have moved to Washington and lived in a van by the river. (laughs) We'll get there. We'll yeah. get there, and then our boys can visit. Yeah, and it won't be a van; it'll be a nice, a nicer RV. Uh, <laughs> nah, it'll be a school bus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm down with that. Me too. Um. Okay. Best advice for couples trying to conceive, and I'm going to couple this, um, because another one is asking that, but they're saying their partner's biggest reservation, um, is infertility and loss. And so, like, they're asking, how do you ease the mind of people going through it? Um, from a man's side, you just you you just go. Do you what just... I say. <laughs> do what she says. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That's just nod your head and. <laughs> Everyone's gonna think you're like a battered husband. No, no. I, I mean. I know, like, with our relationship, I, uh, she has a lot of good ideas. Thank you. And, um, so I I go with most of them. I know if there's something that, like, I am really reserved with, I, I will make it a point. But with something as big as starting a family, it's, uh, sometimes you just gotta buck up and and get over that fear. Because that's that fear is holding you back from potentially giving you a life that you wanted. So it's it's kind of like if you're afraid of heights, but you really want to skydive, jump out of the plane. Yeah, just jump. Yeah, I mean, make sure you have a parachute and stuff, but just <laughs> jump. No, don't don't have a parachute when you're trying to conceive. <laughs> 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 but. I I mean, like I said, from a from a man's point of view, I think um, you just kind of have to uh, bite the bullet if you're like like if you're that scared, like definitely make it known, but like don't. I think it's healthy to have that conversation. Yeah. And I think that's why we're talking about it is because this this is an important conversation for people who haven't even tried to conceive, um, because. Again, like we mentioned, this isn't talked about. Pregnancy yeah. and, and starting a family in conception 
it all infertility and pregnancy loss people shove it in a corner they don't want to talk about it they bury it under things it's taboo i always tell people that whenever we suffered our first loss it was like there was an underground community of people who were like we're down here we're so sad but and we're down here in the dark (laughs) but nobody knows there's a lot of us (laughs) there's a lot of us but no one knows about us and we were like why absolutely not and we had written we wrote a song after our first loss Mm. and we had posted and shared that song and the amount of people that commented on it and were like, thank you so much. You put what I had been feeling into words. I, yeah. you know, that was really cool. We've never been, hello, this is, this is the platform I, we have, but like, <laughs> I've never been someone to keep quiet about experiences because yeah. I don't understand how that helps anyone. Yeah. So I think it's important to have this conversation and know that it's a possibility. And, We've always been the people who are like, we're a team. We deal with things together. We deal with them head on. And it wasn't something we talked about because, again, we didn't know anyone yeah. at the time. We we know that we know people now, but they didn't tell us ahead of time that they had experienced loss because what a Debbie Downer that would have been. Oh, yeah. you're starting a family? <laughs> Let me tell you about my miscarriage. But I think... When Shane and I talked about starting a family, one of the things we discussed is finding a church because we we were raised with some kind of faith-based something. Shane yeah. was in the Boy Scouts and I had Sunday school and yeah. um, we really wanted to have something like that for our kids. And so we started going to church. We were in a small group and I think having that faith grounded us. And allowed us to um, kind of work through things. I know he's licking, and I'm I looking, know it's I'm distracting. I'm looking at the monitor. Why? Because it was going white. I couldn't see him. It still is going white, but that's okay. Oh, our our kids are sleeping. Yes, the, the monitor baby monitor, here. not the computer. That's why I was like, it's not gone white. I think you're having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. But yeah, I think... Um, Having a conversation about it and then having a really solid foundation. Um, and I think if you have experienced any kind of big loss in your life before, being able to pull from that, knowing how people navigate those issues yeah. is a good indication of how you'll work through this together. Maybe. And I I think another, like the other biggest thing is, is make sure that you're both on the same page. Make sure mm. that you're both... Mm-hmm ready for this commitment and potential amazing joy and potential loss like yeah um and i mean you can you can prepare yourself for both you never know what's really going to happen until it does but um i think having um kind of just like a a backup game plan um if if something bad does happen i think one eases the mind of trying to start as well as if something bad happens it it you're you're kind of like okay we hoped this wouldn't happen but it is and we we know where to start these people who asked me are married Mm -hmm. and so i know y'all said vows and 
for better or for worse. And I can say losing a child is the absolute worst. Yeah. And, um, or wanting a child so desperately and not being able to conceive a child is the worst. Yeah. And I feel like it's an opportunity. Come on, click clack. Mosby needs to jump up on the couch. He's he's stressed. Come on. Okay. Um, but I feel like it is as much as you don't want it to be, it's an opportunity to exercise your vows. It's yeah. a put up or shut up moment. Yeah. Which again kind of sounds insensitive, but it is. You know, when you stand up there and you look across at someone and you say those words. You hope that you never have to live them out. You hope you never have to back them up. But you're spending a lifetime together. <laughs> you're it's not all rainbows. Yeah, okay? it's not. Sometimes there's a storm. <laughs> but with that storm, afterwards comes the rainbow. We have two little rainbows, don't we? <laughs> Shane didn't know what a rainbow baby was. No, I did not. And I had to explain it to him. And then we both had a good cry. Yep. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yes, I cry. Eat it. We are very anti toxic masculinity on this podcast. Okay. So we welcome yeah. male tears. It happens. Um, let me see. I, I think cried we it have, inside like, out today. If you don't cry it inside out, I'm questioning <laughs> your ability to emotion. Freaking bing bong. <laughs> bing bong, bing bong. <laughs> can't okay um so this says i hope i don't trigger with this question but coming from a couple struggling with unknown reasons for their infertility how did y'all cope with miscarriages and what advice can you provide to help strengthen our relationship while the devil seems to be trying to pull us apart well i think we kind of like talked about how we coped but yeah with the second part of that it was these these two miscarriages weirdly made our relationship with each other and with God stronger, yeah. like a whole lot stronger. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it can absolutely go the other way. Like it can it can put a wedge between you. People told us that. Yeah. After our first loss, people were saying um, they were like asking how we were as a couple. And I yeah. was like. We're, we're fine. fine. Like, yeah. I don't understand. But people kept saying, like, I don't think you get this ends marriages. Yeah. People get divorced. People separate um, after experiencing the loss of a child or from the struggle of infertility. I remember not that we experienced infertility necessarily because we were able to conceive, but they gave me... um not a definitive diagnosis, but they were like, you basically, we're going to diagnose you with recurrent miscarriage yeah. and we're going to do some tests. Um, but I feel like there's, there's a level of pressure that we put on conceiving. Do you remember <laughs> whenever we were, uh, I talked about this in the pregnancy episode when we were trying to conceive after Jonah 
and I was taking those infertility sticks yeah. and they kept being smiley faces and we had to have sex like mm-hmm. so much to mm-hmm. the point where it wasn't even fun anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that can put a huge strain yes. on relationships because yeah. now something that is supposed to be fun <laughs> and intimate and like um, a bonding experience now becomes like a job. Yeah. And I think that that can drive a huge wedge between people. And then there's like the fear of blaming one person. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Like it, the, you cannot get shamey and blamey because <laughs> it's nobody's fault. It's, it's literally just how it was intended to be. And right. like, it sucks, but that I think that was one thing that like made us not, bicker or not do anything is because we didn't blame each other yeah. and like you shouldn't but i know that, that i does was so happen. scared i communicated that so much to you i was terrified that he was going to blame me or resent me because essentially i was a broken house um i couldn't keep our children safe i couldn't keep our children alive like that's my job and I couldn't do it. And I felt like I was... Shane's wanted to be a dad since I met him. <laughs> that was one of the things that made us connect immediately was our deep love for our families. Yeah. And... And Coco Eats. <laughs> and the three ninjas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so whenever we had our two miscarriages, I just kept feeling like I was the reason that you couldn't be a dad. Yeah. And I felt so guilty. And I remember looking at you being like, go find someone who can help you be a dad. And you're like, I would rather never be a dad and be with you than be a dad with anyone else. Yeah. But we would need like three dogs. <laughs> okay. we can. I can oblige. Yeah. Nah, but yeah, I, I think like the ad- advice is just to not blame each other. Because I truly, I do think like that's where the divorces happen is because like they say it's your fault. Like your, your body isn't. I want this. Yeah. I want this to happen and you're preventing me from getting it. Yeah. Whoever that may be. Yeah. And it could be on both sides. Like it could be the, the male wanting to be a dad and being like the female can't. Right conceive or vice versa the, yeah. the males inf- or infertile and yeah it I, like the being scared is okay but if something does happen like straight up just just do not blame each other because you're both going through it right and it, you're like it's how we have our relationship is we are a team we do this together we do this as a united front We win together, we lose together. Exactly. And that was ultimately, that's why we were like going to move to Washington and live in a van because we we were like, we don't think we can have kids. And I felt horrible, but Shane was like, again, I would rather never have a family and be with you than have a family without you. And that was so hard for me to get because I felt guilty. I felt so guilty that I couldn't give him what he wanted, but also like, I wanted it and I wasn't getting it. I was frustrated with that too. And so I think finally realizing that this was something I could not control. Yeah. And 
by that's that's a big part of it too is that like and i mean that's what the blamey part is like no one is in control right so i feel like the end of that question where she was saying that she felt like the devil was trying to pull them apart i think the only way that can happen is if you get stuck in the shamey blamey guilt vortex yep and you just keep tornadoing and spiraling down of this trying to understand trying you're grabbing at sand and it's falling through your fingers. You're never going to be able to keep it all in there. Mm-hmm. You're never going to be able to control it. You just got to like let it go. Yeah. And as hard as that is, it, it's so cliche because you hear people being like, the second you stop trying is when it happens. And it's like, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> is what I have to say to that. I, I fart on your statement. <laughs> oh, speaking of fart, Ollie farted in the bathtub in today. In the bath? Yeah, he stood up and he like he farted in the bath <laughs> and then looked at it and then he stood he up. He looked at the fart? Yeah, and then he stood up and kept farting and kept looking back and going, <laughs> and I, I started, I started laughing He's 100% so hard. your child <laughs> laughing at his farts like that. I um, will never stop. <laughs> But yeah, I think the only way is if you just keep trying to control the situation. And um, there was a story that I was told uh, from a professor of mine when I was in college about her daughter with Down syndrome. Um, And I don't know, like, it's not just like off the top of the dome. I don't know if I've shared this before, but... It was about Holland, like planning a trip to go. You're planning a trip to go somewhere tropical. You packed for tropical weather. You researched all the stuff you wanted to go and do. And then you get on the plane and you land and you're in Holland. And you're like, yo, it's not prepared for Holland. (laughs) (laughs) Not a goddamn thing in the suitcase works for Holland. (laughs) I don't know anything about the cuisine here. I don't speak this language. And essentially what they were saying is like, if you are so caught up grieving the life, the trip that you planned, that you thought you wanted, you miss the beauty of Holland. You miss the beauty of what is. Yeah. Like what's in front of you. Right. Yeah. And that is something that I had to keep thinking of with our losses. So even though it wasn't, it doesn't totally correlate because it was about someone with down syndrome they were saying like if you are so focused on having a uh typical child you miss the beauty of who your child is um but i feel like that really can be applied to any situation where it was like you know i i wanted this this was my plan this is this was always what i dreamed of Mm -hmm. but this is what i have and if you keep mourning and focusing on your on plan A, essentially, in quotes, then you will truly miss the beauty of plan B, especially if you're still trying to reroute plan B to plan A. Yeah. You were never meant for plan A. Yeah. So right. yeah, I I like that analogy too. Listen, Jerry has been I didn't write that. I know, but you still have such amazing analogies that like it helps me understand, like especially like when we're fighting, <laughs> that like she'll she'll I say told them an we analogy. Don't fight. Well, we fight very, 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 very seldomly. Okay. But whenever we do fight, 
like for me because normally it's like i don't understand what's happening like <laughs> t- t- typical male like i i don't i don't get it like it just i was like i said something and it made sense but it, it didn't come out that the way i needed it to or it, it wasn't understood the way but she she is always so good with analogies and i i think in any difficult position difficult choice difficult thing to deal with having an analogy to make it not particular to that problem like what we're doing now is Mm -hmm. like we're you you did um the trip analogy you did the i did come up with that one yeah like the the planning (laughs) the trip and then the the flights delayed like that it it lets your brain think of just a arbitrary bad scenario and like apply it to something that's highly emotional yeah and i i i I so am thankful for you doing that and i do think that it can help a lot of people too like because it's just like hey you're (laughs) every day babe um but like putting something arbitrary and logical and being able to associate it with your feelings instead of having your feelings be the main point. And then it's so hard to get away from your hurt and pain and emotion. Like I, it, yeah. it, it, I think it, it opens a door to healing. So Thanks. good on you, babe. <laughs> Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> everyone's cringing and rolling their eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I hope everyone's like, ah, probably not though. That's fine. Um, I think this is the last one. Uh, Have we faith- done all Facebook and Instagram ones? Yeah. Nice. Uh, faith journey as a couple, individual interests, parenting, tips, successes, fails. Faith journey as a couple? Yeah. So we'll start with that one. We'll have to go back to the, the yeah, question. Yeah, it's like a five-parter. Yeah, it's a, it's a big one. But we... Uh, she was raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. I was raised baptist but i never went what a romeo and juliet scenario (laughs) which i didn't get until she had to explain to me uh, well i think that was just because that one guy i don't know yelled at me but i was in boy scouts which is very uh, is a christian-based um organization so i almost said enterprise (laughs) no so that that's where i pretty much learned all of my faith and then um, I had some really bad things happen to me pretty much within a year. It was like a like three traumatizing things. And I... A lot of loss. Yeah. And I lost faith in everything um, except for myself. Like mm-hmm. I, I had um, one of my best friends from school, high school, is atheist. And I mean, he's still an amazing dude. Like I, yeah. I don't think that... Being faith. an amazing person is not contingent on your belief system. No, no. But in the, in going through what I went through, I believed that because I was still a good person. I just I didn't have faith in anything yeah. uh, higher than me. But then whenever we were, we got together, we got married, house, and we're talking about kids, and that's when we talked about wanting to find a church and I was open to the idea um just because 
I understand. I, I knew how important it was to her. Um, and so I don't know if we've told if you told the Matt and Amber story. About. I think I did in the faith episode. Yeah. So they, they dragged me, they, they had to literally like beg me to come. Um, but, uh, I went and fell in love and felt, um, relieved for all the guilt that I was feeling because I, I that's, that's what made me lose it is I, I felt guilty about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I felt the love and I, you, I know that you've talked about the flush. Like I felt that that day. Yeah. The flush, if you haven't heard of the flush, is just all of the heaviness that you feel from life just feels like it drains out of you. Yeah. Well, my, mine did tears as well yeah. when, I, when <laughs> I was there, but I think with having that base and find for me finding that new faith and for her fi- like that church was something very different than what she grew up with mm-hmm. so it was um it was different but it was more towards what she wanted as well so we both got what we wanted even though that it was new and i think that like having that new foundation foundation excuse me, um, <laughs> allowed us to be able to navigate the, the loss a whole lot better. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, I don't know. I don't know what we would have done without that. Um, and, and I talked about this in the faith episode is that our faith is the foundation. And if you build your house on sturdy ground, then no matter what storm comes for it, mm-hmm. it'll still be standing. But if you build it on sand, if you have, if it's not, if it's not on something that's level and steady and solid, then any hardships that you face, any storm that comes, the, you, I mean, they're multiplied. Like, yeah. cause the storm itself is bad, but like when you don't have a good foundation, it causes more things to become bad. Right. So, yeah. Right. So I think we've said that that's been a huge thing. Um, Individual interest, parenting tips, successes, and fails. I feel like you and I, all of this, we have been a team. Like that's our main, we said over and over again, one of our big things is we have talked about how we were going to handle stuff years before we needed to know how to handle stuff. Uh, Before we talked about how we were going to handle stuff when I was a thousand miles away. Right. Well, what else were we going to (laughs) do? You're a thousand miles away. How many times can I flash you on a computer screen (laughs) before we just have to start having conversations? (laughs) So, um, sorry, mom. (laughs) Oh my gosh, guys, she said Blumpkin, and <laughs> she didn't know what it was, and I'm like, don't ever look it up, and I'm not telling you, <laughs> because the one, the one episode is Papa Smurf and the Blumpkin patch, and she was like, I listened to that episode, the Blumpkin one, and I was like, oh, sweet God, I never want to hear my mother-in-law say Blumpkin ever again. <laughs> um, oh. But everything with parenting we've ever done, we've always said, we're a team, yeah. so like, if there's anything we disagree with, we wait until the kids aren't around to discuss it. Be- yeah. But like if I don't even know what to come up with as an example, like if, if Ollie wants a snack and it's at a time where I wouldn't give him a snack and Shane gives him a snack, I'm not going to 
undermine Shane in that moment and be like, no, I wouldn't do that. Or if Shane says no, I'm not going to say yes then. Yeah. Like, I don't know. We just, we're on the same page and we try and communicate with the kids how we communicate with each other. Yeah. We, um, if, if the kids ever hear us having an intense conversation, we make sure they also see us, um, fixing that. Yeah. Uh, reconciling that if they see us in confrontation they see us make up from the confrontation yeah yeah because we just think that that's healthy yeah i think that's important to to like because we're all human we're all emotional we're gonna have big emotions and i think it's very important to um let the kids know that like they happen but to also make sure that they see um a healthy way to reconcile it, it. Yeah. yeah and because if you don't then one they're either going to just hide their big emotions which no 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 <laughs> no 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 or they're going to That's how volcanoes happen. Yeah, yep, or they're just going to let them out constantly but not know how to deal with like not know how to be able to control them right like it's either too much control or no control at all right and um trying to find a middle ground is being a parent is wild yeah yep it sure is man it's it's uh, a different beast it is absolutely insane because like we can we can talk like how we like the the three years that I was a thousand miles away and talked about how we were going to handle things and like when when things actually pop up, it's yeah. good to have that base. But it's it's also like I didn't plan for this. Yeah. I don't know how to handle yeah. this. And like as much as we're encouraging people to discuss how you would navigate loss or infertility, you aren't ever going to know how you're going to process those things until you're in them. But again, having a foundation, having an understanding, having empathy for the other person, having compassion for the other person and understanding that that the other person is not against you. They're for you and they're with you. Yeah. Not taking things personally, because there were times where we would have big emotions and communicate those not in the best way. Um, But ultimately, we knew one that we had to reconcile that, that you can't just like leave them yeah. not fixed. Um, but we tried always to know that like, that was the hurt talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and not, you know, how we actually wanted to interact with each yeah, other. Yeah. No. Yeah. I have one last one. Okay. And it is, how did our loss affect our relationship? Yeah, it it hundred percent strengthened it. Yeah, because, I, and like we we touched on this before, but like it it is something that can destroy people, mm-hmm. and I think that if we were with any other person, it would have destroyed the relationship mm-hmm. and destroyed me or you. That's because we're soulmates. Yep. <laughs> But I like I know that like if I wouldn't have had you to t- help deal with it and to take care of at the same time, like I would be in a poop hole of a place. Yeah. Um. But I think being able to recognize 
that we were together in it, mm-hmm. that we, that it, we weren't, it wasn't just one of us dealing with it. Right. Um, I truly thought or think that it made us so much stronger because we went through a trauma together. Right. Like with the same thing. Like if, if say one of my relatives pass away that you like in you weren't as close to obviously you right. didn't have 29 years yeah with them you are not 29 <laughs> you're 28 i just i i say that i'm the same age as her because it's easier to remember let me be a cougar <laughs> but it's it's harder because i'm the one that's dealing with more of the pain um so like you you would just be a support yeah but whenever you like whenever we lost the grief is equal it's yeah different. like it's it's both of us so um i think being able to have somebody with you that is also dealing with that exact same pain um it i i really really think it it helped us grow together yeah. because we were able to navigate that trauma together yeah. and i think we also recognize at least now after we processed and worked through everything that it our losses were blessings yeah um i remember which, we we said that a lot which was like so hard to explain because um, it's hard to see the miracle in the misery. Oh, yep. Um, but it's there because, again, like I said, as long as you don't go down the path of what if and you, and you focus on the path of what is, you recognize it's the Holland thing. Uh, it's just... It's just retraining yourself to recognize that without the journey that you're on, without the hardships that you've experienced, you miss an opportunity to grow as a person and grow in your relationship and grow closer to your faith. Those things would have never happened. We would never have joined the worship team at church. (laughs) We never would have been in the circle of people that we were. I never would have had my photography job. Yeah. Yeah. I have no idea... What all of that... Are you nose whistling right now? (laughs) I have no idea what that would have done to us. And the people that we've come in contact with since then and made connections with and built relationships with... Yeah, yeah. they, They wouldn't have been in our life. I have no idea... And all I'm so, so grateful for all of those people and all of those experiences. Um, this podcast, I have no idea if we had done this, if I would have made connections with people. Um, with Sierra, I don't know that this would be something that we'd be doing. Yeah. And I just, I want to encourage people to try to, as hard as it is, make a list if you must. And even if there's two things on it. <laughs> two things for you to hold on to um let those be the anchors you know that's what i hope <laughs> this is this is a pretty heavy episode huh yeah 
I know. I literally said to Sierra when we were coming up with topics, I was like, we've been light for too long. Let's bring the people back down. (laughs) (laughs) Really got to level out this. Bring them back to reality. Like there's (laughs) nothing else in the world that's doing that right now. But I I do think it, it is something that needs to be talked about because it isn't. It really isn't, and like right. like like we said before, whenever it did happen, we saw people come out of the woodwork, or like we're like, "Oh, this happened to me! Oh, this happened to me!" Like it because it's not talked about. It's not. It seems so foreign whenever it happens, but it, it and taboo. Yeah, but it it's it sucks, but it does happen, and there's ways to deal with it, and people that you can talk to that have been. through it yeah before and who can relate to you and mm -hmm. be a comfort and a connection for you and validate things that you're feeling yeah so and if you don't have anyone who you can go to you can come here baby yeah (laughs) we got you yeah so and i'll extend that on the the guy side too because i know it's it's a different it's a whole different beast with the guy because like like we said before, we're not the ones that carry it, and we most likely have to be the strong one to help um, keep. Are we strong? You are strong. Okay, thanks. <laughs> you're, you're tell me I'm strong and tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> <laughs> you're strong and very pretty. Thank you. You're welcome. But um, yeah, I I know what it's like, and uh, for a guy, it's 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 very different and. That if anything, that's something that's not talked about even more. Yeah. Um that's why we wanted you on here. Yeah. Well, I'm happy to oblige and uh that's the second time I said that word. Um I think we've said it like five times. Whatever. But uh it's always fun to be on here with you and uh Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Thanks for being my co host. I'm glad I could. It's not <laughs> like I was going anywhere today. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh do you know our outro? That is it. That's the that on that. It used to be. Oh. <laughs> we haven't done that in a while. That's the that on miscarriage. <laughs> what a weird thing to say. That's what I don't, I don't know. Definitely can't end it like that. No. Um. No. I. We just say. Uh, all right, guys. Thanks. And uh, I think I don't remember what Sierra says. We'll see you next week, and then. I think okay. So. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're out. Bye. is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.